Welcome to episode 23 of Pirate Radio After Dark, the podcast. I'm Josh, Radio Pirate. Really excited to bring this podcast to you today. Um, I know the last two podcasts have been super heavy, really important stuff, but super heavy. And uh, sometimes we just need some really good positivity in the world. I've been truly blessed for the last, you know, eight months or so, getting to collaborate at times with Curtis Gabriel. He's a forward in the NHL. He's played for the Wild organization as well as the Devils organization. And most currently, he's played right here in our area for the Leah Valley Phantoms and is part of the Philadelphia Flyers organization. Um, For those of you who don't know, Emily, my wife, and I and co-host, we coach a disabled youth sled hockey team in the Leah Valley here for the Leah Valley Phantoms at the PPNL Center where they play. We have 18 athletes right now, most with mobility issues. We also have children on the spectrum. And it's an absolutely amazing experience and opportunity for these kids in a situation where a lot of these kids don't have athletic opportunities. Hockey is my favorite sport by far. I think there's so much more to the game than just the play. I think a lot of the players are just unreal people in a good way, Um, just going above and beyond on and off the ice. And Curtis Gabriel in my opinion, of getting to know the players over the last couple of years and being involved in this team at a higher level than, than typically most fans get to be. Curtis is an exceptional person. He's a true blessing to our community and blessing to his family and really anywhere he goes. Um, you know, I had contacted Curtis at the beginning of our sled hockey season when he joined the Phantoms to see if he was interested in, you know, maybe helping out one night. And he was there, no questions asked. And as long as they weren't on the road, he was there at every practice and just so incredibly engaged with the children on the ice and made connections that will last a lifetime, not just with the athletes, but with our volunteers, with myself, within the organization. Curtis has done so much incredible stuff in our community and not just our community, but for the hockey world He's advocated for the LGBTQ community, as well as the Black Lives Matter movement, and just stands up for what's right, treating people with respect, not judging people, and just doing the right things on and off the ice. Curtis is still very young and using his platform in a way that I think most people wouldn't be able to at his age, and it just truly blows me away. It's been an honor getting to know him on and off the ice and developing a friendship with him over the last, you know, couple months. Uh, We were supposed to do an interview with him. He was actually going to come into the radio show um, and do the interview live. However, COVID happened around that time, so we had to cancel. And we were hoping that things would go back to normal, but that's apparently not the case anytime soon, at least. So we decided to do the interview over the phone. I had aired this on Saturday on the radio show and as usual, now I'm putting it on the podcast. Um, just really positive take. It's There's so much I could say or ask Curtis, and the interview could go on for hours and hours, that it was really difficult coming up with where I wanted to go with this. So instead, I kind of decided to do a broad overview of everything that Curtis is doing in his you know work as an advocate, his work... Um, in these communities and hockey talk, obviously personal talk about his upbringing and just a lot of things. But 
There's not enough people like Curtis in the world. I've learned a lot from him. Um, one of the most humble people I've ever met, especially as a pro athlete. And uh, again, I can't speak enough good things. So I really just wanted to do an interview that kind of, for those of you who don't know him or maybe know him a bit, but don't necessarily know everything that he's up to and kind of his mindset on living, I wanted to kind of bring that to you guys. You know, this this podcast isn't always just about music. Um, it's about trying to survive the world. And it's a scary place some days. It really, really is. And uh, people like Curtis make it hopefully easier for people that don't always have the strength to do it every day. So uh, I want to thank you, Curtis. Thank you for all you do for our sled hockey team, for our community, for the sport, for those that are often marginalized and ignored or taken advantage of. Um, I thank you, and I thank you for your kindness and friendship to me and Emily since getting to know you. And I wish you the absolute best, whether you return to Leah Valley or the Flyers next year or, or go somewhere else. Uh, you're always going to be you know, one of us here, especially with our sled hockey team. And um, I look forward to seeing you progress in your career in the future and staying in touch. So the interview is going to be in just a moment. As usual, I just want to remind you guys, if you're not following the show on social media, I suggest doing that. It's a great way to stay up to date on both this podcast and our radio show. Our Instagram is at Pirate Radio After Dark. Our Twitter is at Pirate Radio AD. Our Facebook is Pirate Radio After Dark. And um, it's just a good way to stay up to date. Um, looking at doing some more interviews soon with various people, both musicians and community activists. So keep an eye out for those. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you know, we're on a variety of platforms, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Radio Public, Google, Apple. Um, subscribe to it. If you like it, please leave some good reviews. It helps us. Feel free to share the podcast. Feel free to share the radio show. Um, we want to get the word out there. You know, we don't make any money from doing this. I, I do it because I like it. Uh, it's something I've been passionate about for 16 years. And um, I hope you enjoy it as well. So uh, thank you for tuning in. And thank you to Curtis. And here is our really, really nice interview with him. Hey guys, it's Curtis Gabriel, Lehigh Valley Phantoms Ford. Just out here fighting the good fight with good people. Thanks for listening. This is Pirate Radio After Dark. All right, good evening, Pirate Radio After Dark listeners. This is Josh Radio Pirate. I am joined by number 29 of the Leah Valley Phantoms, Curtis Gabriel. I've been waiting to do this interview since March, but COVID kind of hit, um, but we figured we just better do it over the phone. But welcome, Curtis. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, thank you for coming on, man. No problem. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, appreciate the time. And yes, we had to kind of rearrange some things over the last little bit, different uh, pipes breaking in houses and different schedules conflicting. So happy to get on. Yeah, no problem. It's it's great having you. Um, you know, I, I do this show and, and there's a big, um, you know, mental health aspect to this as well as just positive living and stuff. So I, I got to know you from doing the sled hockey program with the Leah Valley Phantoms. I'm a coach, you're a player. And, um, just kind of came together and, and I've really just taken a, a liking to the way that you live your life and the way you approach your uh, your role on the team on and off the ice. So it's, it's really an honor to have you on here. So I guess my first question, because the talk of the whole world since nothing's really going on, is have you watched any of the uh, return for the NHL? 
Oh, yeah, for sure I have. And uh, just trying not to watch too much, right? Like, it's, I think the games are from 12 to 10 o'clock tonight, and if I watched all of those, it wouldn't be getting much done in my personal life. So um, I have watched just trying to limit it to, you know, maybe at the most a full game, if not maybe a couple periods. Absolutely. It's been really exciting. I, I've enjoyed it. I was a little hesitant, but once I saw it, I think the NHL did a really nice job, and it was fun seeing the Flyers dismantled Boston yesterday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're playing pretty uh playing pretty skilled and gritty. Like it's like Toronto has a problem with just playing with too much skill, not enough grit against a team like Columbus, where Philly seems to have that grit but also play you know with that skill. Absolutely. So getting to know you the last couple of months, you've talked a lot about your mom, and I get this idea that your mom really really weighs, raised you and your family really really well. You know, can you talk about that? Cause I, and I've never met her, but I just get this feeling like you were raised exceptionally well by her. What does she mean to you? Uh, yeah, she means everything, honestly. I was just, as I said before this, I was just talking to her. Um, it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, I don't think she, because of the type of person she is, she doesn't think she probably did the greatest job because that's, that's how accountable and how good of a person she is. But I think she knows she has. Um, because she just always is like me. She always like is second guessing kind of maybe a bit or that just shows you how humble she is and how good of a person she is. So, um, yeah, she's, it never was, uh, telling us we're, you know, we're amazing. She would be fair and tell us when we did a good job and pump us up and support us with anything or we did. But if we were out of line, she definitely let us know and, um, didn't really put up with any BS with us. So I think that's what kind of molded me into the person I am. And obviously just seeing her work hard as a teacher for such a long time. Uh, she's retired now, but the effort she put in to drive me hockey and uh, especially when she was a single mom for a while, drive me a couple towns over. We study, you know, marking in the arena till 12 o'clock at night and driving home, going to bed at one, getting up at six, doing it again. So I just saw like that kind of thing. And maybe that's what led to my work ethic. I actually got asked that recently in a podcast and I didn't have a too good of an answer. So I think I'm getting better. I think I saw that and internalized it and then, Anything she wanted to do in her life, she just made a plan for it and worked hard at it. And that's all we've done with hockey, and that's what we've done with educating ourselves on the social issues. And um, so, basically, I would say I was a I was a I was a son of a teacher, so I was kind of a goody good. But she, you know, because I wanted to be, make her proud and didn't want to get in trouble at school. And uh, sometimes it led me being probably too nice and stuff. And I've kind of found my outlet in hockey to be a little meaner out there. But uh, she's just such a good person. She's got to be extremely proud of you, especially the work you've been doing recently. Um, you know, coming to Leah Valley this year, you've done so much in your short amount of time um, in the area when you were living here pre-COVID. Um, you know, can you kind of talk about when did when did that moment come to you where you realized, all right, I, I'm I'm an NHL AHL player, and I want to be bigger than just a hockey player. I, I want to use my voice and my platform to better the communities I'm living in and, and help the people that are marginalized sometimes around me when when did you decide what was that deciding moment i guess well i, I think everything in my life has been like organically you know it's just processed organically it just happened organically so i mean i was uh you know the man of the year for my team in iowa doing you know community events before and i would just be the you know signing up for those all the time and it wasn't my conscious thought in i just thought hey we should give back and i did it in Owen sound and um really it's kind of changed more this year um in lehigh as you know, the season, my career didn't go any way the way I wanted it to, because uh, finishing in the NHL jersey for three months and then being in the AHL the entirety of the season and not one call-up. So it was kind of 
kind of an eye-opener to me, and um, I think that had pushed me to realize that I am not just a hockey player, and if I want to identify as just this, it's probably not going to be a very pleasant existence because it's not going very well. Um, so it's kind of a culmination of a bunch of things, but then realizing, obviously, with the timing of uh, you know COVID, um, the timing of in Jersey putting the pride tape on my stick and getting acquainted with the LGBTQ2S plus community, and then obviously in this time, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement against hate that's happening, it's kind of just all happened organically. I find myself very passionate about these things now that um, I've been given the opportunity, or I guess I have the privilege in some sense as a white person or as a person that's grown up with uh, you know middle class to kind of go after what I wanted, pretty much anything I wanted, and have the support of my family. So I lived in this naive bubble for a long time, and I think I've just kind of woken up to some of the problems that exist, and it really, really bothers me when someone doesn't get to do something for something they can't control, like their sexual orient orientation, like the color of their skin, like their religion, or whatever it is. Like, it's just sick and tired of people being judged for other things that aren't, that don't really matter. You know, they really don't. At the end of the day, what matters is, are you a good person? Are you a good citizen? Are you bringing more into this world than you're taking from it? You know, just being a decent human being. So that's that's what drives me now and just seeing all this um, injustice, really. So I'm trying to learn to do that smartly and correctly and, uh, you know, bring people to the conversation and not, like, cancel people and get too mad at them. I want to just talk, and I think it's the only way as human beings things are going to change is talking and education. So where it came from, just like a slow kind of process of me growing into a man, I think. I think it's admirable, and, and again, I'm not taking anything away from anyone else, but, you know, if you follow any hockey player, you know, on social media or whatever, you know, a lot of summer and off time is kind of golfing, boating. Curtis Gabriel's going to protests and educating himself and speaking out and, and doing podcasts and, and blogs and all this stuff, and I, I just have so much respect for you. You know, I mentioned at the start of the podcast that you had helped pretty much all year with our sled hockey team, which you know, has children with mobility issues as well as autism on our sled hockey team with the Leah Valley Phantoms charity. And you did such a nice job with that. And obviously we're airing this first in our local community before we put it up on the podcast for the global community. Could you just briefly touch on some of the things you did here in the Lehigh Valley that people may not be aware of um, in your time here, some of the advocation you did? Um, well, just, I guess, just the, especially the Pride Tape night, that was a big night. Um, we got a lot of people out for that. I think that made a positive impact in a lot of people's lives. Just wearing the Pride Tape every game, there's that small section kind of near our bench area, and near our end that always loved that. Um, the sled hockey was great. I just, you know, didn't think that would come anything of it. I signed up for an event with you guys and didn't think it would turn into what it did and had a lot of fun with uh, you guys. A great group of people and coaches running it and volunteers and families, and then also the kids, too, just getting out there and getting out of their own little world and having fun doing something that's totally different. And um, I think that was really great for everyone involved. I think we all took something from it, and we all got closer and kind of became friends through it. So there's nothing wrong with that win-win kind of atmosphere. That's what I love about doing these kinds of things. Um, and even just, like, around the rink when I'd be there on off days, you know, we have great facilities there. So I'd go in there, and sometimes there'd be a hockey tournament going on and going to talk to those kids just for fun there giving them a locker room tour. I love doing that kind of stuff because I just think if I, if I was a young kid, I, I used to think junior A players in my hometown were like gods. And, you know, mm -hmm. being in the position I've been to play, to play in the NHL, if I saw, so if I met someone who played in the NHL back when I was a kid, I would have lost my mind. So um, the fact that I have played there, that I am a professional athlete, I think it's, you know, I have a privilege and I have a platform and I might as well use it. So it's great to do it in all those different ways this year. It's, it's awesome. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, I played hockey growing up as a kid and we just had very small, 
beat up old rinks around here before any of the stuff that you've seen in this area and especially the PPNL Center. And it's incredible to be able to take these kids out on the PPNL Center ice, you know, professional ice, and have players help out like yourself. It's just for the kids, that's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience that not everyone gets, and I hope it sticks with them and, and motivates them to keep playing and, and who knows where it takes them and all that. So thank you on behalf of our sled hockey team, first of all, for everything you've done this year for us. No problem. I'm wearing the jersey right now as I skate around. I'll have to get a picture or next video I post of me shooting. You'll see me wearing it. So I just pulled it out of my out of my car and I got the pins on and everything. So the boys get a kick out of it because it says number one and Gabriel on the back. But I love it because it's got the blood hockey logo on the front. So it's been fun. Very cool. So, you know, this show started as a music show. I've been passionate about hockey my whole life and I've worked a lot of hockey angles into this. For people who may not be big hockey fans, you know, I think there's this misconception of the, the role of the enforcer on the ice. I think in some strange way, like the clothing brand Violent Gentleman has kind of brought the enforcer back into the spotlight in some ways, but also showed this different side of it. Um, you know, I've talked to you about this before, but for the audience, why do you think that enforcers in today's time tend to be probably a lot of them from what I hear, including yourself, are some of the kindest people on and off the ice, you know, maybe not during play per se, but beyond that, uh, just very much about going out and trying to do the right things. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's twofold. I think the culture of hockey um, and just how we got here to be the players that we are. So I think I think if you had a player that I don't know was like a skilled player growing up and then he had to do this role to kind of make it, they, those guys might not be as open to this kind of thing. But for people that like myself have caught, I've been kind of this role for a long time and you kind of knew what it was going to be you kind of figure out really quick that you got to do everything you can to stick around. And, but at the same time, we also understand how much it, how good it feels to be valued on a team when, you know, enforcers kind of the lowest on the totem pole in importance, but at the same time does a very important job that nobody really else wants to do. So when you get appreciated for that and um, respect from your teammates or opponents or whatever, it's a pretty great feeling. So I just, I think we take that family kind of, longing and wanting to please and wanting to, you know, be a part of something special to into the community and with our relationships in our own life. I think we're incredibly loyal, uh, passionate, supportive people that just uh, want to have a place in this world, right? We worked hard to get to the top level. We don't want to be looked at differently because uh, of our role, I guess. Um, I still think it's a very valued role, as you can see in the NHL with how many, you know, battles are going on right now in the playoffs and the fights and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's a multitude of things, but it really comes down to got to do anything you can to stick around. And we're also people that value the family aspect of hockey probably more than anyone. Absolutely. Um, you know, you just mentioned hockey culture, and that was the next thing I wanted to ask you about. You know, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years um, about changing some of that hockey culture. You know, some ex-players as well as current players in very big roles have spoke up about some of the dark sides of hockey, you know, at all levels. And, you know, what does that mean to you? Because I know you've talked about it too, but what does change hockey culture mean to Curtis Gabriel? Uh, I think it just means accepting people for who they are, regardless of how they are. Like, at the end of the day, if some guy wants to, you know, like a Nylander or Matthews, these guys want to be rock stars kind of off the ice or have the style or the kind of build their own brands, as long as they're, you know, bringing it on the ice, you can't really say anything about it, but I think the fact that guys are starting to do it now, we're starting to have more guys like that's going to start to make it a little more normal. So you can't really ticket guys for, you know, hockey culture is supposed to be all about the team, never about yourself. But it's also like we're people too with individual 
preferences and things we like. And um, so I think for me, it's making it more acceptable, like how it is in like the NBA. You can't really, you can't really expect. I saw Brock McGillis, a guy that uh, first opened the gay hockey pro hockey former pro hockey player, say today basically like you can't expect hockey culture. You're supposed to just think about hockey all the time, how to win, do anything for our career, do anything for the team. Like we're people too, and some guys like different things. Some people, probably a lot of gay players in the league that aren't out because it's just not okay, or. Uh, guys that are interested in certain things that don't want to share that because then they'll be looked at differently in the locker room. It's such a hyper-masculinity sport. we got to kind of start accepting people for who they are and just what they bring to the team. And if obviously it's not good enough or you want to bring attention to yourself doing some other things, well, you better back it up on the ice. Um, but it's just such a, it's so looked down on uh, that it's kind of frustrating sometimes. So for me, it's just letting people, just like I fight for in my advocacy, is just be who they really are and live their truth. So... When when people, I think, in general, anything that's negatively said towards any sport, a lot of the big statements from, you know, naysayers about sports are the salaries. Salary is so high, this and that, you know, for a lot of the players that are at the top of their game. And, you know, I think one of the blessings I've had of being involved kind of behind the scenes at the Phantoms, getting to meet some of you guys in the last couple of years doing sled hockey and being around the arena so much is realizing how much you guys just sacrifice. I mean, your career is not going to be your whole life, none of you guys. And it doesn't matter who you're playing for, but you're, you're giving up a large portion of your, your younger adult life to entertain people. You're not with your family. You're traveling all the time. And it's, it's a massive sacrifice and commitment that I don't think people truly understand unless they've seen it from the inside. And I've seen glimpses of it. You know, and I just want to say that right there, you know, it's got to wear on you. I mean, especially you being so close to your family, you know, how do you maintain yourself? You know, obviously you love hockey, which is you're doing the thing you love, but it's still an incredible sacrifice to do what you do. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of the average people just look at, oh, they make a ton of money um, or more than the average person and just to play a sport, like it should be fun. But, yeah, once you start to understand the world of professional sports, uh, um, not all sunshine and rainbows, you know. Uh, there's those very few talented at the top players, but they earn to get there to the top, you know. Sidney Crosby is the way he is because he took the talent that he had and he built a matching work ethic or maybe a work ethic that surpasses his talent, and that's what's made him who he is. So, yeah, we, we give up a lot for what we love, but it's uh, just like anything in life. If you want to do something that you love, you're probably going to have to make sacrifices. So I'd love to just set up shop up here in my apartment and play video games for two weeks straight, but is that going to get me towards my goal of playing hockey? No. Is, uh, you know, hanging out with my family all day every day going to make me, uh, you know, going to be nice? Sure, but it's not going to make me better. You need time away from your family. You got to go live your own path and do your own thing. I love trains. You know, waking up and not getting home for six hours. We train Monday to Friday, and sometimes on the weekends. And so it's, there's a part that yeah, we love it, but it, it is hard being away from your family and doing those kinds of things. But I think that's what's harder is not living your true self or the true person you want to be than actually doing something and sacrificing for. I think you can. You're always going to make sacrifices, whether or not in life. But I think. The ones that you decide to do, and you, if you're wise, strong enough, those are going to be the ones that are most fulfilling. But I definitely agree that people don't understand all the politics that are involved, um, the ups and downs. But then again, that's what we sign up for. So it's kind of like a kind of a mixed bag answer. But uh, there's like there's good and bad to everything. You just got to focus on the positive. Yeah, it makes completely sense. Complete sense. Um, 
you know, a couple, about a year and a half ago, I had Riley Cote on the show. Um, you know, he spoke a lot about the mental health aspect and, and some of the, you know, damage the sport does long-term to people. Um, you know, I follow Dan Carcillo. He's been very outspoken about the same topics as well. I mean, you as an enforcer in a really tough role, a really physical role, you know, do you feel that mental health in hockey is addressed enough or, or what would you see needing to change? Yeah, I think um, it's starting to be addressed more. Teams have uh, sports psychiatrists and stuff, but you definitely have to have, like, a safe space. Like, that sports psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, has to be, you know, totally confidential or nobody's going to use them. And I've seen some interesting things happen where guys didn't trust certain teams as person they have and then other other times where it was a really good setup and you could trust the person. So um, I think every team needs to have almost, like, two to three mental, you know, professionals that are – 100% 100% confidential, and the team just pays them, and that's it. There's no other interaction between the team and those professionals, and the players use it as much as the players want, and the and the management's never notified of them using them, if that makes sense. Like, it needs to be 100% like you're going to see a family doctor. Um, that's what I think needs to happen. Obviously, it's expensive, but if you want your players to be at their peak, they need to be able to handle the emotional, you know, challenges that professional hockey pre- presents. And, of course, playing our role, it presents probably more challenges than any other guys. Like, oh, the other challenges are for sure emotional and, you know, sometimes physical, but, you know, our challenges are you're putting your body on the line every game, basically. You could be. Um, So it it, it can definitely weigh on guys in different ways, and if they don't have a solid upbringing and they don't have a good foundation of maturity, emotional um, intelligence, um, knowing of self, uh, they're probably going to be in big trouble. So like you talked about Riley Cote, he he didn't kind of really awaken that stuff until he was done playing. Um, and I talked to him quite a bit. He's a great dude. So it's a hundred percent. Could Riley Cote have been a better hockey player? And probably if he had someone in his ear talking to him all the time, make bring him back down to earth. You know, let let him have somebody to vent to with no repercussions. Um, but yeah, I think it has a way a ways to go in that way. Um, I don't. I can't speak for all the other teams, but at least there has been professionals on almost every team I've been involved with. It's just they need to be super confidential. That's really interesting. And that's a. I mean, obviously, I I do therapy in my my personal life that's what my job is and to have not have confidentiality in a situation like that just blows my mind and and you're one of the first people that i've actually heard that from so i i find that interesting i uh i appreciate you yeah it's, it it's, i'm not saying i'm not important i'm not say, yeah i'm not saying obviously it's super important i'm not saying there wasn't a hundred percent but if there's any iffy feelings by a player then that's obviously not good enough correct like it needs to be right. a 100 percent solid thing and if uh you know it's just kind of interesting how if the water is just a little bit murky, you're never going to open up, and therefore you're never going to heal. Absolutely. Um, you know, you spend a lot of this off time educating yourself on things that are really important to communities, not just around, you know, the United States and Canada, but across the world. You know, when the protests started, you you had attended some protests, and you really spent time, I know, publicly educating yourself on the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, as as you've mentioned, as a, a middle-class, you know, white guy, what's the biggest point you took away from your, your last couple months of, of educating and, and speaking up? That education is the key. Nelson Mandela said it, you know. Education is the most potent weapon humans possess. Um, we're the most adaptable beings on this planet, apex predators. That's because we can adapt to any situation we put our mind to it. So 
needs to be education um, of the lower generations. It's not going to change. Uh, you can change probably a good percentage maybe if every, you've got every single person doing some kind of Black Lives Matter education, but you're not going to change them all. And those those all that don't change are still going to pass it down to their kids. So where it really needs to happen is at the educational level. Level You can't have, you know, certain certain school systems and curriculums that, you know, called, uh, I think one text, textbook in Texas called uh, black slaves that were captured and brought over here as foreign laborers. Like, that's just a, a little tidbit of how shocking the sugar coating and the covering up of actual African history has been done. And it's, uh, you know, it's really just a joke, to be honest. Like, the school system, even up in Canada, like, we get taught about Aboriginals, which is great, uh, Native Canadians, but we need to be taught about Black Lives Matter more. We need to talk be taught about LGBTQ2S plus uh, issues. Uh, we need to be schooled, and those might be the most important things we school our kids on. Like, especially at a young age, that's what they need to be t being taught so that when they get older and they are in the workforce and they are out in the world, they're doing the right things and pursue human rights and, you know, all these things. So for me, it's the education piece. It's just getting people to listen that's hard. Right on to that. And, you know, speaking about the LGBTQ thing, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because it's been talked to death with you. You wearing or putting the pride tape on your stick has been talked about for months now, and it's like one of the big stories in hockey at times. So I guess my only question is, are you surprised that this drew so much attention? Because to me personally, I think it's just you being you and, and representing something that's important and, and something that should be talked about and advocated for. But I mean, I don't know. What what do you think of all the attention that's been brought on the topic? Well, well, the fact that there's so much attention brought to it shows that how much way we still have to go, right? Like if, it's, if we're 20, 30, 40 years from now and we hope things are a lot better with some of the things we got going on behind the scenes, you know, hopefully those eventually come to fruition. But that means there's a lot of work to be done. So hopefully in that time period in the future, it won't be, it'll be pretty normal to see half the league using it or half the league be fully on board things. I don't know. I don't know what the number is, but um, I wasn't, I am I guess I am surprised because I lived in a naive bubble and I didn't realize how much of a problem this was. But uh, I'm also, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing. It obviously has a long way to go, that's why I get attention for it, but it's, it's just good people that are trying to be, you know, viewed and live their true self. Like, you and me as straight dudes don't have to worry about that kind of thing. You don't have to worry about, you know, people, and that's the other thing, people think it's a choice. Like, the education, again, comes back to that. People think, some people truly think it's a choice and a moral decision. It's like, guys, it's science. They're born that way. You can't just flick it on and flick it off and now we know that 40%, up to 40% of the population is on the LGBT spectrum. So, just, yep. you know, that's a ton of people. It's a ton of people. So people that are suppressing so many things. So um, I guess I'm not surprised and I'm surprised is what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's two sides to it as always. The thing I like when you talk about this stuff is it's one of the reasons I, I've been drawn to, you know, getting to know you more over the last couple of months is, you know, and you said it at the start of the, the radio show today, you know, you want to have a conversation about things that need to have conversations. Um, and I think that's great. You know, back in February, the Phantoms gave me the first ever Community Angel Award, which was really hard for me to accept. It was a massive honor for doing the sled hockey thing. But to me, it's just me doing my job as a coach and trying to better my community and help kids that don't have a lot of opportunities in our area. And, you know, I have, I've been blessed with the talent to, to coach them. You know, I've been blessed with the talent to be a therapist. So I, I brought those two together to do what we're doing out there. But there's a lot of volunteers, there's a lot of coaches, and there's a lot of people behind the scenes. And it was 
hard for me to accept that in a lot of ways because I feel like I'm just doing what people should do. And I remember I saw you after the game and you asked me about it and I told you that. And you were like, yeah, you know, people come up to me all the time. like, thank you for doing this. And you, I remember you saying, like, I just feel like I'm doing what I should do as a person. You know, how, how do you remain so humble being in the public spotlight is my question. Uh, yeah, okay, I think it's a big part of the hockey culture, right? Talking about yourself too much, can't be doing that. But also, just like I said with my mom, like, she never really, she almost is too nice to a fault. And sometimes I've had to battle that, too, and work on, like, kind of, like, confidence side for playing professional hockey. But, yeah, you're so right. Like, that's exactly why, if you're asking me why I say humble, it's the same reason you are. It's like we all should be ha- doing more of this. It shouldn't be you and me getting singled out for it. Uh, congrats, by the way. <laughs> but we shouldn't be singled out for it, like, because we're doing something special. It's just we, everybody should have a somewhat of an obligation. Obviously, some people are going to be, do want to do more or have more opportunity or time to do more depending on their career or their job but, or make more of an impact on the platform. But I would challenge anybody to do, even if you think you don't have a big platform or you're just, you don't think you're anybody special, well, go out and volunteer and watch how good it feels to, to make an impact in people's lives. And, and you, what you get back from it is, is amazing too. So it just it, that should be taught in schools too. You know, it shouldn't be... Of course, you're going to have people that are all about themselves all the time, but I would I would argue that doing it, it actually brings a lot of value to your life, and it also helps the community. Like, what's, again, win-win scenario is what I love. So uh, it's not that hard to stay humble about these things. I like it. You know, it's no secret Leah Valley had a very rough season this year. I mean, when you think back on the season, what's something you're going to remember, you know, that, that you take away from this season that, that's going to stick with you? Uh. For me, honestly, kind of let – I think it's on the forwards. I think the D overall were pretty good. I think our goalies were pretty good. I think it's on the, the lack of compete by the forwards, to be honest with you. And um, I talked about that with uh, coaching staff. I think it's a recurring theme and all what we talked about all year, that the young group of forwards for the most part and uh, didn't compete hard enough, hard enough on pucks, made it too hard on our D and our goalies. So that's what sticks out for me mostly, and I, I hope they – clean that up going forward. I hope so, too. Uh, it's fun when we're winning here. It's fun when you're winning anywhere, but at, Leah Valley is a fun place when you're winning, I can tell you that. Um, you know, yeah, I with, can, with, can imagine. With, with your involvement in the hockey program, you know, you're all about learning from others and, and you know, helping out. What was something you really are going to look back on this sled hockey season helping us that, that you took away that maybe you didn't realize going into it that you were going to take away from? Um, I guess I haven't been around too many uh, kids with disabilities and stuff before. Like, obviously, the, the standard little things here and here with different teams. Uh, my dad used to work with uh, kids like that. So I think it was just really cool to see, you know, them just being out there and having fun and being happy. Uh, and their supportive families there, getting them out to those practices. I think that was great to see. Um, just, live, just, you know, because... And not all of us are super lucky. We're all born with a certain deck of cards, and you can only do the best you can with the with the hand you're dealt. So I think all those kids out there were just doing an amazing job with the the cards they were dealt at life, and we all have certain advantages and disadvantages. But they're just out there being being kids, having fun. You know, I think that's what I took from it the most is that uh, that's really what life's about. Um, just they're living their true selves. They're doing the absolute best to live a, a fulfilled, happy life. The families there supporting them. I just I thought that was just great to be a part of. They're a really amazing group of kids and the families and the whole team in general. I'm truly honored to even be a part of something like this. 
So I'm glad you, you feel the same way about it. it. It's a really, really cool, cool thing we got going there. For sure. So unfortunately, and I, I don't like to think this way because I, I think everyone should keep focus forward, but most guys who play in the NHL and AHL, they, they never win a cup. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's a very small group of people that ever get the ultimate goal. You know, if, if you would make it through your career and retire without getting the cup, what would be something that you would say you would be satis satisfied with accomplishing in your career that might not be the cup? And I hope, I seriously, I hope you win the cup one day. I hope you're on an NHL team that wins. But realistically, most guys don't win. I mean, what, how would you feel about when you eventually retire one day that, that you had a great career? Uh. Yeah, it's obviously the goal is that we all play for. You know, when you know, obviously we want to win the Calder Cup if you're there, but we play to win the Stanley Cup, so um, I'd love to be able to do that. But uh, I don't know. I just your life goes on of certain paths. There's some things you can control. There's some things you can't. I've tried like my hardest. I think so far um, with what I had, I think I have a way better mental approach and self awareness now. So I can't look back and think what I could have done. So I think the same thing's going to apply when I'm done playing hockey. I'll just have to. Leave it all out there, and um, whatever, wherever the chips fall, I'll uh, find a silver lining. Uh, that's really the key to life, and be positive and grateful and happy for that. But uh, I think I've just met so many people in the game that I'll have for lifelong friendships, and I'll probably work with people long after hockey. So I'll just be grateful for the game that uh, gave me more than it took away. Nice. You've been doing a lot of stuff in this off time, um, you know, podcast interviews and stuff with Gillette. You want to talk about some of the stuff you're working on and where people can find that stuff? Yeah, so I'm at uh, Curtis Gabriel underscore on Instagram, Curtis Gabriel on Twitter. Um, just trying to better myself in all areas. I'm trying to become a better hockey player. I'm training as hard and as smartly and as efficiently as ever. I'm working on my mental side of the game, constantly being aware, um, working on my relationships. i got a new amazing girlfriend. Um, my, my brain and my brother always battled. We're working on that. We're doing better. Mom's great. Uh, but then, you know, trying to make a difference and educating myself. So instead of just training all day and then watching hockey the rest of the day, I try to train all day and then educate myself all afternoon, you know, into the evening and then maybe have an hour to watch a movie or, you know, you know, hockey game now. But other than that, I'm trying to, you know, get uncomfortable because that's the way you get better. I get uncomfortable with hockey training, I get better. So let's get uncomfortable in my personal life and I'll get better as well, whether that's, you know, them using my connections to talk to people that know a lot about these issues in Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ2S plus stuff. And, and then down the road, I think we're building towards some awesome stuff. Uh, I'm with a great group of kind of people um, in one area to kind of build some sort of thing that we're going to roll out in hockey eventually, which would be really cool. Can't say too much about it. And then, uh, just my own personal brand on top of that, too. I want to inspire people to live their true self, and it goes right along with what I fight for in activism. So I think it's a very congruent, authentic, passionate message. So um, just get uncomfortable. That's what I found to be the, the spice of life, you know. you got to earn your happiness. You don't just get it. Speaking of inspiration, you know, are there any books or mottos that you live by or people should check out if they want to try to obtain a more uh, enlightened way of living, I guess you could say? Yeah, um, I love David Goggins. He might be a little hardcore for some people, but his audio book, I listened to that about six times. That's a great uh, kind of mindset to kind of cut all the excuses out of your life. Um, 
my brother is a huge resource to me. This guy's going to be like a public speaker and stuff. So I, I'm lucky that way where I have a, like an encyclopedia on, on speed dial. Uh, I know so much about these things. Um, Alan Wasp is amazing stuff. Um, and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk too. I think he, if you just consume all his content, I think you can really have a different outlook on life. So I'm just trying to do all that and trying not to always, not trying to do too much. I always did too much hockey training in the past. So I'm trying to balance out my life. And I'm finding that to be kind of like the best mixture. So not too much. So it's definitely, definitely should listen to something once a day that's going to inspire you, though. So kind of tying that to my next question, you know, the world's a very hard place to live in right now. The news is super negative. You know, we got the virus. Everything's chaotic. It's, it's a really scary place some days. And it's really hard, you know, to avoid that sometimes, even with the best intentions. You know, how would you recommend if someone is really getting caught in that negative groove, how 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 would you recommend flipping that around and, and trying to stay positive? I think so you just go focus on yourself. I don't know. Like if the news is too negative, turn it off. You know, if you know that about it, then you don't need to know everything that's going on then. Keep up and to date with the the events that are really important. But other than that, you don't need to just see endless reels and negative stuff. Like get away from technology, get away from social media, find out what you really want to do. Is your job what you really want to do? You know, it's like that's really for me what brings me happiness is, is figuring out what I want and then just go, going after it with everything I can. So um, that's what I would say. Just uh, eliminate the negative, do a self audit, eliminate the things in your life that uh, are, you know, I don't know, that are bringing you down. Nice. So we're almost towards the end here. I got a couple basically one word questions or maybe two word questions for you to answer. One, who was the Phantoms' quiet leadership in the locker room this year that maybe the fans didn't see? Uh, I think uh, I think Cal O'Reilly just brings that like pro mindset where, um, you know, he's very professional, uh, but he also is like a good tempo in the room to know when to kind of back off guys and when to get after guys. So I think Cal O'Reilly just. You know, it's not, not hard to see why he comes from a great family. Um, that like a sports psychologist, performance coach. His dad, his brother's obviously Ryan O'Reilly. So I think he was he was really awesome for us. Very cool. Who's the toughest uh, guy you dropped the gloves with in your career so far? Toughest guy I dropped with the gloves. Probably Brickalant. Um, he's incredibly tough. Uh, it's just a minor league guy for most of his career, but uh, he's just a legit lunatic when it comes to fighting with how how he fights and how tough he is and take a punch and give a punch and not being very big. Uh, you got to respect the hell out of that. Yeah, he's a he's a tough uh, dude. We've seen him go a couple times here in Leah Valley, and uh, I would not want to be up against him. So uh, who would be yeah. your dream fight? Who would be your dream fight? Anyone past, present, doesn't matter. Uh, I guess everybody wants to talk about Bob Probert. I'd like to fight him. He, like, he always got better as the fight went on. I like to think that about myself, but uh, I want to get back to the NHL and fight Ryan Reeves again. That would be great. Last time I had a stitched together finger, and uh, I think I've been kind of not the best in my fights lately. So I'm really working at that this summer. Get back, and I want to want another crack at him in the NHL. That could be a lot of fun to watch for the fans. Um, so two music questions, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, doesn't matter what you listen to because I know uh, we've talked about your music taste. And we're completely different than this show, which is totally fine. But Desert Island Record, if you only had one album and you were stuck on a Desert Island, what would you bring? Uh, probably just Kygo. I'm on a beach. I'm trying to stay happy on a Desert Island. I'll go with Kygo's new album, Golden Hour. 
Nice. And then uh, as far as any new music that's come out in 2020, because I do a new music show here, and I don't really stick to any genre, so whatever it is, it's cool. What what have you been uh, digging that came out recently? Um, really been into, like, country lately, because my girlfriend is really into country. So I, don't know, I really like Tennille Towns. She's, like, this new female singer. I think she's new. I, I'm so new, I don't even know. But she's pretty awesome. Come As You Are is a great jam by her. Uh, waiting for the one, I think is another one. I don't know I'm just really into the whole country lately, which is funny because I haven't really been that like into that as much in my life. Very cool. It's good. It's good to diversify. Diversify, man. I can't speak today, but yeah, I mean that's what this show is about. We play really any genre, so I appreciate you sharing that stuff. So Curtis, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this. I know to the listeners, this was really all over the place, but you're you're a really interesting guy i think wherever you go in your career any team is incredibly lucky to have you and not just the team but the community i wish you the best of luck you will always be a leah valley phantom slide hockey uh alumni and you're always welcome to help us if you're ever in the area um you know wherever you end up next year whether that's leah valley or somewhere else but um it's really been an honor getting to know you i truly mean that um and i i absolutely wish you the best and i can't thank you enough um again if people want to Check out your stuff. Where should they do that? Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks very much. It's been an absolute pleasure of mine, too, to get to know you and your uh, team there and uh, coaches, um, Jen from the Phantoms, all the kids. It's been awesome. So I really appreciate that coming from you. And, uh, again, just Instagram, Curtis Gabriel underscore Twitter, Curtis Gabriel. It's not hard to find me. Cool. Thank you, Curtis. So there you have it, our interview with Curtis Gabriel, forward of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and Philadelphia Flyers franchise. Thank you so much, Curtis. It really was an honor having you on the show, and um, I wish you the absolute best with everything you're doing. And as Curtis mentioned, if you follow him on Instagram, he's got a lot of good stuff. He posts a lot. It's all really positive, good stuff. So I I urge you to check it out if uh, you enjoyed the interview and add him. Um, So yeah, like I said, we'll be working on some new podcasts soon. Um, I'll be unveiling those on our social media as well as the radio show. That's incentive to check it out. If you haven't checked out the radio show, we are on 91.7 FM WMUH Allentown, the only station that matters. We're on every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, uh, yeah, check it out. If you're not local, we broadcast in eastern Pennsylvania for the record, but if you're not local, you can very easily... um, find our show by downloading the TuneIn app, and all you have to do is search for WMUH on that. As usual, we're going to end the show with Emily and I's band. We're a little little different. We don't really stick to any genre, kind of like our radio show, and we do it for fun. We're called The Bedroom Invaders. This is off our record that we put out last year on Halloween. It's called Betty. The record is the New Hampshire Fever Dream, and uh, we're working on a new record, hopefully, for Halloween this year. And, uh, pretty excited about that so keep an eye on social media we'll be premiering tracks on the radio show and on here as well thank you very much take care of each other thank you curtis good night I didn't hear that. But then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to